I do just as you say Why must I just give you your way Why do I sigh Why don't I try to forget It must have been that something lovers call fate Kept me saying I had to wait I saw them all Just couldn't fall till we met It had to It had to be you I wandered around And I finally found The somebody who Could make me be true And could make me And even be glad Just to be sad Thinking of you Some others I've seen Might never be Never be cross or try to be boss, but they wouldn't do. For nobody else gave me a thrill with all your faults. I love you still. It has. Wonderful you It had to be you Hello everyone, my name is Simon Carver and welcome to Dagnall Street Baptist Church's podcast service for Sunday the 30th of April. Today we're looking at the story that Jesus told in which he compared himself to the gate across a sheepfold. 
We have three classic jazz songs today. The first was Frank Sinatra singing It Had To Be You. And later we'll hear Sarah Vaughan and Billie Holiday, as well as Chelsea Moon and Christine Getty. There are a number of notices this week, so strap yourselves in. Today's on-site service is at 10.30 and all are welcome. There's a church members meeting on Tuesday at 7.45 and all church members are encouraged to attend. There is a free church service in the cathedral on Wednesday at 11 when the preacher will be the Reverend Andrew Openshaw, a member of the new ministry team of the Central Baptist Association. The funeral service for our dear sister Sheila Fricker will take place at 2.20 on Wednesday the 3rd of May at West Hearts Crematorium and all are welcome. On Saturday at 9 o'clock in room 5 our monthly church prayer meeting takes place and once again all are welcome. Our cafe will be serving cream teas on Friday and Saturday at the end of this week and on Saturday the coronation of Charles III will be screened live so do come along and join us for that. If anyone's interested in being part of a group that will be leading worship in a few weeks time there's a meeting in the cafe at 7.30pm on Tuesday May the 9th. And finally the church magazine for May is now available from the church or cafe and also online. And now our call to worship, some verses from Psalm 23. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. He lets me rest in the meadow grass and leads me beside the quiet streams. He gives me new strength. He helps me do what honours him the most. Even when walking through the dark valley of death, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me, guarding, guiding all the way. You provide delicious food for me in the presence of my enemies. You have welcomed me as your guest. Blessings overflow. Your goodness and unfailing kindness shall be with me all of my life. And afterwards, I will live with you forever in your home. Shepherd of my soul, come dwell within me. Take all I am and mold your likeness in me. Before the cross of Christ, this is my sacrifice. A life laid down and ready to follow. Prisoners that release from chains of anger in springs of living grace, I find a resting place to rise refreshed, determined to follow.
But lifts my head and calls me to follow strength is failing he'll carry me along through death's unveiling earth struggles overcome heaven's journey just begun to search Christ's depths and ever to follow to search Christ's depths and ever to follow Joseph watching over Mary shepherds watching over sheep angels watching over shepherds kings watching over stars stars watching over kings and overseeing all is God, watching over everything, sheltering all under his outstretched wing. The hand that rests on Mary's shoulder is God's, the life-giving heat transferring from shepherd to lamb is God's. The tender pain of realisation as Mary looks on her newborn son is God's. This story of incarnation tells of the care and protection that goes on at the expense of comfort. Extravagant gestures of compassion carried out at the expense of individuals because they are compelled to care through the sheer strength of love existing within them. They are each an echo of God's love. We are each an echo of God's love. For your presence in our lives, great shepherd of the sheep, we praise and adore you. For the security you offer us, great shepherd of the sheep, we praise and adore you. For your life that enriches our life, great shepherd of the sheep, we praise and adore you. For the sense of belonging, great shepherd of the sheep, we praise and adore you. For our place in your sheepfold, great shepherd of the sheep. We praise and adore you. Amen. A reading from the Gospel according to John, chapter 10, beginning at the first verse. I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold, rather than going through the gate, must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognise his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he's gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger, they will run from him because they don't know his voice. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant so he explained it to them. I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. 
Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. With Sudan in the news, I was looking back at the Christian aid material we used a few years ago, which was based around case studies of a family living in South Sudan. There were a number of proverbs in the material, some of which were intelligible, such as, only many hands will move the rock. Not unlike our saying, many hands make light work. I may have been being particularly dense, but some of the other sayings seemed pretty close to being impenetrable. Try this one. Termites have gnawed rocks, so anyone will be happy if he dares courageously. Well, I guess one had to be immersed in the culture to understand a proverb. Unless you are, they can sound like mumbo-jumbo. And part of me wonders if this wasn't how some of the teachings of Jesus were first received. The word in the Bible that we translate as parable also has the meaning riddle. And it isn't always clear whether Jesus was trying to use parables to make something clear or to hide its meaning from those who were not on his wavelength. Today's reading is something of a case in point. Jesus told a simple story, but they had no idea what he was talking about. So he tried again. Let me spell it out for you. I am the gate for the sheep. All those others are up to no good. Sheep stealers, every one of them. But the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. Anyone who goes through me will be cared for, will freely go in and out and find pasture. A thief is only there to steal and kill and destroy. I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. To understand this story, we have to know two things about the people who heard the story. Firstly, they would have been familiar with this picture of people being described as sheep. The Old Testament has several examples of prophets comparing Israel to a flock. You might be familiar with that line in Handel's Messiah, All we like sheep have gone astray. Secondly, they would have been familiar with the practice of shepherding when Jesus was speaking. It was quite common for a number of shepherds to share the same sheep pen. When it came time to separate out the various sheep, each shepherd would call out his own sheep and they would follow him. And that's how a Middle Eastern shepherd would have operated, with the sheep following behind him rather than being driven in front of him. The doorway of the pen may or may not have had a means of closing it off, but if there was no door, it wasn't uncommon for the shepherd to lie across the doorway and so be ready to protect the sheep if wild animals or rustlers came calling. So, from what might have appeared a rather obscure parable, we end up with a pretty straightforward picture of Jesus as the shepherd who acts as the gate to the sheepfold. His sheep know his voice and he calls them by name. I'm going to spend a few minutes thinking about this picture of Jesus as a shepherd, and particularly the shepherd who is the gate or the door to the sheepfold. St. Peter is often shown as the gatekeeper to heaven, holding a clipboard like a security guard at a prestigious celebrity event, telling people, if your name's not on the list, you're not coming in. It has to be said that there are sayings of Jesus that make it sound like it would be difficult for anyone to get in. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. The disciples were flabbergasted at a time when wealth was a symbol of God's blessing. 
If a rich person couldn't get to heaven, what hope would there be for anyone else? Jesus also said this, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. However, there was another story that Jesus told. Indeed, it is one of his most famous parables. It tells of a man who left home to seek his fortune, but through his own vanity and foolishness, he fell on hard times. When he was at his lowest point, he remembered that the servants at his father's home were better off than him, and he decided that he would go home, not as a son, but as a servant. But on seeing his son come down the garden path, the father ran to meet him, and he would hear nothing of his returning son working as a servant, but instead held a feast in his honour. This story tells a different tale. It tells us of a God who welcomes those who turn to him and who doesn't turn them away. This brings us back to the picture that Jesus painted of himself as a gate. You would have seen sheep going to be dipped and pouring through a narrow entrance so that they can get through just one at a time. The gateway is narrow, but they all get through. The gateway is narrow, but Jesus opens it. It is he who is the door. The church's role in all this is to be a signpost, not a deadbolt, because we all need help to find God. So far, I've been focusing on the shepherd and his care for his flock, but let's think now about the sheep themselves. William Blake wrote a poem called The Lamb. Little lamb who made thee, dost thou know who made thee? Gave thee life and bid thee feed by the stream and o'er the mead. Gave thee clothing of delight, softest clothing, woolly, bright. Gave thee such a tender voice, making all the vales rejoice. Little lamb, who made thee? Dost thou know who made thee? Little lamb, I'll tell thee. Little lamb, I'll tell thee. He is called by thy name, for he calls himself a lamb. He is meek and he is mild. He became a little child, I a child and thou a lamb. We are called by his name. Little lamb, God bless thee. Little lamb, God bless thee. In the first stanza of Blake's words, a child speaks to an animal that is perhaps a pet lamb. And in the second stanza, the child answers the question that is asked of the lamb who is mute. Blake moves into the far more complex area of human identity and the nature of our relationship with Jesus. The pet to whom the child speaks shares the name that Jesus is given, the Lamb of God. But not only does the pet lamb share the name of Jesus, so too does the child. For he calls himself a lamb, he is meek and he is mild. He became a little child, I a child. And thou, a lamb, we are called by his name. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem, God became a child. The Lamb of God became a human being, a child, one of us. This picture of lambhood, softest clothing, woolly, bright, such a tender voice, 
is a familiar one. Lambs are cute. They like surrogate babies that can be fed with a bottle. They cry like babies. And they have that beautifully soft new wool, smooth and silky as a newborn's hair. Of course, lambs as well as babies grow up. Babies turn into often less than winsome adults. And lambs turn into stupid fat sheep. What little information I have gleaned about sheep has been learned because sheep and shepherds are one of the most important metaphors that the Bible uses in both Old and New Testaments. The most common New Testament representation of sheep is of shepherds bringing lambs to the stable where Jesus had been born, or of Jesus the shepherd who had sought the lost sheep. Having brought it back home, he draped it around his shoulders. These are fairly idealised versions of sheep and they focus on young sheep, lambs. The reality is that lambs grow into sheep and that sheep are not the most attractive of creatures. Here are some facts about sheep. Sheep have very good memories. They can remember at least 50 individual sheep and humans for years. And they do this by using a similar neural process and part of the brain that humans use to remember. Sheep have been shown to display emotions, some of which can be studied by observing the position of their ears. And contrary to popular misconception, sheep are extremely intelligent animals, capable of problem-solving. They're considered to have a similar IQ level to cattle, and are nearly as clever as pigs. Although I'm not sure that you'd be wanting to write on your CV, nearly as clever as pigs. If sheep were running a PR campaign, these are the sort of things they would want to highlight. However, according to shepherds, who ought to know about sheep, the reality is a little different. Sheep are filthy animals, generally covered in muck and their own waste. And their wool can tangle around all sorts of stuff and it holds onto it until the shepherd can get it clean. Sheep are hardwired to follow the sheep in front of them. Sheep do know the voice of the shepherd, but will only sometimes follow him or her. They follow other sheep far better than they follow a shepherd. Sometimes, however, sheep will follow a stranger, especially sheep who do not yet know the shepherd well. And it takes time for a shepherd to know sheep well enough to tell them apart. Sheep apparently see us the same way. And sheep have poor depth perception, and they have a hard time distinguishing a partially open gate along a fence line. Unless a gate is wide open, they need a shepherd to lead a couple of sheep through first, and then they'll follow. The more someone like me learns about sheep, the more accurate and less flattering Jesus' metaphor becomes. We are dirty sheep, and our very being tangles into all sorts of undesirable things. We don't ever seem to notice because, like muck on wool, our sin slowly clumps together. That which is outside, however, doesn't corrupt what is inside. And dirty sheep are still incredibly valuable to their owners. And so are we valuable to God. Just as a sheep can get stuck in a ditch, so we human beings involve ourselves in all sorts of self-destructive behaviour that we can't escape on our own. It takes time and attention for the shepherd to know the sheep. And we can take comfort in the fact that God has taken that time and attention to know us by name. I wonder whether these stories about sheep are not something of a joke that goes over the heads of the Pharisees when Jesus says that sheep won't follow the voice of a stranger. 
because of course we, like sheep, have been led astray by thieves and bandits who intend to do harm. Verses 5 and 8 in our passage drip sarcasm, explaining why it is that some have not followed Jesus. The more time the sheep spend with the shepherd, however, the easier it is to identify the shepherd's distinct voice. It's helpful to carry our deeper understanding of sheep into verses 7 to 9. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the true sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. Yes, Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. Abundant life is found through him, but for whatever reason, we, like sheep, seem to have a pretty hard time recognising the gate when it's right in front of us. We need a shepherd, a gatekeeper, a saviour to help us find the freedom for which we thirst. Beyond all the sheep metaphors and the wisdom, what is most interesting in all of this scripture is that the well-educated Pharisees wouldn't understand the meaning behind much of what Jesus was saying. We might imagine poorly educated country yokels in the background of Jesus' conversation with the Pharisees, laughing at the jokes the Pharisees didn't seem to get, and nodding knowingly at the wisdom the Pharisees didn't understand. One of the aspects of sheep that we can probably all understand is that sheep are powerless, very capable of getting lost or stuck in that ditch, but incapable of saving themselves. It's only the shepherd who can find them. We can speak about finding God, but it's God who finds us, although perhaps it helps if we are looking. The God who's shown himself in Jesus touches our lives. The God who's shown himself in Jesus calls us by name and asks us to follow him so that we might know him. In the film, You've Got Mail, Joe is the owner of a bookstore chain, rather like Waterstones, while Kathleen is the owner of an independent bookshop, the shop around the corner. This makes Joe and Kathleen business rivals. Much in the way of a Shakespearean comedy, Joe and Kathleen start an anonymous relationship, although not in disguise, as would happen in the 17th century, but online, where their friendship turns into love. However, while Joe and Kathleen become ever closer online, their business rivalry becomes ever more bitter. However, there is a twist. Kathleen's business goes under at about the same time as Joe discovers the true identity of his online girlfriend. And Joe decides to make a concerted effort to be nice to Kathleen, and even seems to be wooing her. Kathleen seems to be thawing towards him, although she dearly wants to meet the one she believes to be her soulmate, the mystery man she knows only over the internet. Joe, who now knows that he is that soulmate, encourages her to meet his online alter ego. And they arrange to meet in a park, and he says that she'll know him because he will have his dog with him. When she realises that Joe, her rival, is one and the same as the soulmate with whom she'd been communicating online, she says to Joe, I wanted it to be you. There are some similarities between You've Got Mail and another of the parables that Jesus told, the story of the prodigal son. There is a sense in which Kathleen has come home because she has found her soulmate. 
Until that point, their communication had been online and her lover had no face. The human being had been there all along, but she hadn't made the connection. In Jesus, we can know the face of God. I've heard it said and seen it written that people could worship God if he was more like Jesus, but that God seemed so distant and cold. This is different from the situation in this film in which the email communication is with a person who shows warmth and compassion, but who has no physical existence. In contrast, the one who has the physical presence has not, for most of the film, the caring attributes that Kathleen sees in her online lover. But in the denouement, when Kathleen finds that Joe and her online boyfriend are one and the same person, she admits that she had wanted that to be so. She had wanted the person she could only know in spirit to be the man she could see and know in the flesh. I wanted it to be you. I wanted it to be you so badly. In the story Jesus told of the son who returned home, the father rushed out to meet his son, just as the shepherd went out to find his sheep. Here Joe wipes Kathleen's eyes and says, don't cry. And in this silly story, we are pointed towards what Christians believe to be true, that we can know the God we cannot see because he has shown himself in flesh and blood in his son. When we return home and we stand face to face with our Father in heaven, he will wipe every tear from our eyes and we will see the face of Jesus and like Kathleen be able to say, it is you. There is someone who watches over me.
Let us pray. Generous God, you offer us abundant life, yet we ask for more. You offer us security and sanctuary, yet we seek our own way despite the risks. You offer us guidance and direction, and we ignore you and take our own way. We are sorry for our ingratitude. We are sorry for our arrogance. We are sorry that we think we know best. Forgive us, renew us, and restore us to abundant life in you, in the name of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Loving God, we pray for those whose lives are empty, for all who feel alone and unloved, for those whose lives lack purpose. We pray for those whose lives are filled with anger and bitterness, for those who cannot let go of the past and so have no present or future. We pray for those whose lives are filled with anguish and pain, for those who suffer depression, for those who are afraid to go out, for those who cannot see a way forward. We pray for those who live on the edge, for those who watch others enjoy life but are unable to join the group, for those who lack faith, for those whom others ignore. Lord of love, for all those for whom we've prayed, bring them abundant life. Loving God, may your abundant life fill our world, our church and ourselves. In the name of Jesus. Amen. May we ever, Lord, be bringing all to thee in earnest sins and griefs to bear what a privilege to carry everything to god in prayer oh what peace we often forfeit oh Tonight 
song seems to me to fit the time of post-Easter appearances of Jesus to the disciples, but also of how we might see Jesus in our day. It's called, I'll Be Seeing You. But first, a final prayer. May you have the chance to offer protection and care to others. May you return to a childlike wonder and be inspired to consider the infinite possibilities the sky might hold for you. And above all, may you know that you are sheltered under God's wing, that he is watching over you tonight and all the nights to come. Amen.
in all the old familiar places that this heart of mine embraces all day through in that small cafe a park across the way the children's carousel chestnut trees the wishing See? 